0: Hey there, Knicks fans! How are you? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, coming at you on St. Paddy's Day with another edition of this, uh, the Knicks Film School Podcast. Um, I lost my words for a second because the Knicks did something today that I'm not used to. They won a game. And uh, it was a very exciting game with some uh, some high drama. And here to discuss it uh, before we move on to face the week ahead is the one, the only, Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, before we get into the game, um, how was leg day?
1: It was good, although today was actually more upper body. Oh, really? Had, yeah, yeah. I did a little bit of cardio, but... I, um, you know, I just, I had to get back, get arms and chest. I did more legs on Friday. So, just, I mean, just,
0: I, I saw you. You were, you looked beef. You looked a little, what's the word? What do the kids say? Swole? Yoked. Swell? Swell,
1: Yes, swell. Swell's good. I mean, it's not like swole, but swell is a nice way of saying it in like a 1920s. Like, oh, you look swell there. How you doing? <laughs> You get I me do. once
0: every episode. You you literally get me <laughs> cracking up. So uh obviously we're recording this a couple hours after the game. Um so you so you, you got your work out in uh the question of the hour. Um did Mario Hazonia's heroics at the end of the game blocking um the once and maybe not for much longer, King? um, of the league, uh, did that inspire you to get to the gym or, or were you just, you know, you had that excitement coursing through your veins?
1: Oh, hell yeah. Mario was like, all right, I, I clearly need the body strength to keep up with a six foot eight. I mean, self-proclaimed, but also anointed King. So, uh, yeah, he motivated me quite a bit and, but you know, he's got much better wingspan and reach than I do. I've got some, Stubby little T Rex arms, so I try. <laughs> I do try. I I liken myself on the court to a Ron Baker type, who I'll pass up the shot because jumper's not. It's not as wet, but Hizonia. Shout out to him. I mean, it's incredible effort, and I've rewatched that play so many times. And the way that he stays with him is phenomenal.
0: It it really is, and it's it's so funny because like they're. We we're now um I guess seventy games into this season. Um so there's there's not much 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 time left. I I have thought at various times this year that Mario Hazonia is like an insanely gifted individual defender in certain spots, and then I've I've seen him at other times this year where it looks like he doesn't quite know um what he's doing out there, and I, I'm not sure which is right or if either is right. Um, what do you? Where are we falling on Mario Hazonia at this point as a as a defender?
1: Sort of in the middle. Just based on the fact that I wasn't expecting going into the season seeing him take tremendous strides. I figured he's twenty three, turning twenty four years old. He's gonna be whatever, but. I didn't get to watch him that much in Orlando. But he had a rep as, like, not a great defender coming
0: into this year, right?
1: Okay. Yes. I feel like the effort is really there. And maybe that wasn't – he wasn't quite as engaged in Orlando and so his head wasn't in the right place. And he did struggle towards the – I want to say, like, the second fifth of the season if we're going to kind of – Allocate it like that. So no, no,
0: I actually I agree with you. Right right around he he went through uh, sustained patches of time where he he did not he looked decidedly not good on that end of the court.
1: Exactly, and for someone who had been injured for a you know somewhat significant stretch, I mean it was about nine games or so. Maybe I wasn't expecting him to be quite as locked in, and there he was going toe to toe. And you know there was a moment, of course, where there was a couple sequences in a row where LeBron flopped and then um LeBron had a great strip of Hazonia and then went down the court and scored right in Hazonia's face and I guess Hisonya was just being patient and watching and learning and striking when the moment was right
0: yeah i you know I, th- there's other players that are more important than Hisonya to talk about from today's game and, and we'll get to them in a second i just he's such an interesting guy to me because he th- he – I I have watched him all year and I have not been able to shake the feeling that I, – I don't think it's going to be with the Knicks because I don't think he's going to be back next year. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? But I can't shake the feeling that he is going to have a significant moment on like a good team at one point in his NBA career. I, I it just – I don't know. There's something – it feels like there's more there to him. Do you, do you agree or are you just like, you know, he is what you, he is?
1: You want there to be because he was a top five pick. Yeah. Like, he, he was billed as a Croatian Kobe or Kroby, as they gave him the nickname. And I love that. It's a good and name. when I when I was in Dubrovnik, uh, where he's from, I want to say three years ago or so, I talked with a few people who were basketball fans, and they all loved him. You know, it's national pride, but I still there's something about it where you want to hope there's still that untapped potential. It's tough it, because with Mudier, you you start to see it, it's like two steps forward, but then it's two steps back and with azonia yeah, i don't know i'd like to say that he's grown compared to where he was at this point a year ago in his career would do you think that's an accurate success for him individually
0: well i think he was and i think some of it has to do with the fact that he got um or he inherited like not a great like a really bad coaching situation wasn't um I want to say Scott Skiles was his first NBA coach or, or one of his first NBA coaches. And that's that's not the coach that you want to have um, if you're a young player. And then, you know, it didn't really work out with Vogel. so But, like, he was really bad. And then, you know, in 30 or so games at the end of last season, he, he did well in, in meaningless games. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, the weird thing to me was I envisioned him as a secondary playmaker on this Nick team because, obviously, they... Going into the season, you knew that they had they had significant issues at point guard, and then you look at his numbers for the year. He doesn't have a single game with more than than three assists, and he's only done that um, twice. So, like that part of his game has not been there at all. Um, so it's weird. I I don't know. I, I I don't know what to make of him. I feel like if he does have a good moment in the NBA, it's going to be on a on a much better team. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll so, well let's let's move on to Mudiay who. Like, how can you talk about anybody else in this game before you talk about Moutier? I mean, I know Hozonia made made the last play, but um, he had 28 points on 11 shots, got to the free throw line 10 times, made nine of them, three or four from deep, had eight assists. Like, these are the games. These are the games where the Moutier stands on Twitter are like, all of you assholes who don't give him a chance and you laugh at him and you poke fun, you guys are haters and you suck because um, he doesn't deserve this super harsh treatment from all of you. And then you watch the game and you're like, you know what, maybe these people have a point. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Where, what, what do we do with this, Jeremy?
1: It was really a tale of two halves for Moutier because the first half he was just okay. Yeah, I'd say even not great. And then the second half he pretty much took over. But then you look at his shot charts or shot chart, and he finished around the rim. He was three for four from beyond the arc. Um, yeah. took, a, took uh, another shot in the paint or a couple other shots in the paint. Um, one just outside of it. One mid range. Those are the types of shots that you want, and especially for someone who constantly is shooting more mid range shots. That and Zach Lowe wrote about him on yes. his ten things. It's like, well, why is he taking that shot? It's it's not a worthless shot. It's just it's physically you know it's worth. Less and it's not worthless. And you see games like today's where he, he does get it in certain moments. Um, and he really, again, he turned it around because I, I think at the half he had something like maybe two assists and three turnovers or something. Um, his he had more turnovers than assists, and then he finished with eight assists and four turnovers. Yeah,
0: and several of them, by the way, seven of, several of the assists were. Um, I want to say there were two lobs to DeAndre. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, um, and, and just in general, I thought his passing in the second half was, um, as good as we've seen from him. I, here's my theory that I've, I've kind of settled on. I think that there are certain things from certain positions in the NBA that if you see as like an educated, like modern fan today, it doesn't matter what else that that player does it's like that's it i'm I'm selling this player like for instance, with Cantor, it was the absolute refusal to engage in any semblance of like modern pick and roll defense mm-hmm. aside from the fact that he was terrible at it and like I saw that and I'm like, well the entire league it's a pick and roll league and you you cannot survive with a center who can't do this simple thing. So I'm like, I don't care how many offensive rebounds he gets or how many putbacks he has or, or, or what his, you know, PER is. I'm out on Inez Cantor. With Moutier, it's like the, he has the moments where he makes plays as a point guard where you just are like, you can't be running a team on the floor and think that these are good decisions. Um and like some of that has to do with the the long mid range shots, um, the dribbling into nowhere, and then like you know as what was Zach Lowe's word, um, like vomiting up you know terrible shots or whatever he he some, said yeah something along those lines, and then and then the turnovers and like he doesn't he doesn't have the types of turnovers where you're like okay I'm happy my point guard tried to make that pass he has the types of turnovers that make you like this guy should not be handling the ball ever, so it's like. It, I, I don't know what to do because I, I get everybody who says like give up on this guy he's not worth the time anymore because I have felt like that and I know you have felt like that at times, for sure. Yeah, but then you know you see stat lines like this and like you can't like he's a twenty he just turned twenty three, he put up a stat line like this and he looked pretty good doing it that and you know in the moments where it mattered he's had other games like this this year. This is the first year he's taken a step forward under a coach who finally like, fully believes in him. Uh, where do we go from here, Jeremy? I'm, I'm at a loss.
1: Well, I think it's safe to say that his cap hold is going to be waived at yes. $12 million or so anyway. So at that point, anything more than the minimum, and I'm talking about especially the um, mid-level exception, would just be kind of a foolish – not even kind of. It would be a foolish thing to do because the market for Moutier is so small and there's so many – Backup point guards who are available. Where you go from here? You know, you're saying you see it in certain shades and moments. That last play, well, um, the one where Dotson's layup cut it to one. Yes. When you rewatch it, <laughs> Mudiay was taking on Caruso, who had a fantastic game, and did. he Very was driving, and it looked like he was going to make a layup from really far away, and no one else saw Dotson but Mudiay, and then finally, I think. Dotson's able to kind of do a pump fake and then put it up. I can't quite remember the exact way that he was able to pass – to to score. But again, it was like there's that vision that sel- that does sometime come out – comes out. And I think the thing with Moutier is he has this – it's like – it's not even a resting bitch face. It's just he looks <laughs> so nonchalant. <laughs> he doesn't really show a lot of emotion. Yeah. No, and that's, that's not – it's not his fault. But I think that people might think that he doesn't care very much. Because he doesn't really show yeah, very much.
0: I, maybe that's part of it, and I, I think his it's it's interesting. I think as fans, um, we tend to conflate uh, poor defense with not caring. And when Moutier, you know, and that's a separate issue. His defense, I think, that's more just like a physical thing. He's you know, he's a big guy. He's not a quick. He's you know, he's not like Dotson. You know, like being able to like sk- skitter around the screen and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you told me you could have him back at the minimum next year, I'd be like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, and if it ends up being only Durant, um, I don't, I don't see that being the case. But if if let's just say it, Durant decides to come without a buddy, and they need to fill the roster in, like you know, you wanna you wanna give Moutier one year for whatever I don't know, four million dollars, something like that, with a team option for the second year. It's like, hey, um, if they don't, I mean, and just to take that one step further, if they don't get anybody else this summer besides Durant, they would then immediately start thinking about. All right, we want to be ready to pounce um, in a trade for like the next disgrunt- disgruntled star. At which point, um, expiring salaries that actually carry a few dollars on them become a valuable thing. So,
1: yeah, yeah, certainly
0: true. I don't know. Um, he's what a maddening player. Oh God. <laughs> Um, let's move on. Um, two more guys to get to before we go. Um, let's talk about Dotson. Because Dotson, you know, 41 minutes, took 20 shots, more than more than anybody on the team. He went through a little stretch. Um, he started off super hot. I think he hit his first six or six of his first seven, something like that. Then he missed five or six straight. Ended up 10 for 20, 3 for 10 from deep. Um, I love that he didn't hesitate on any of those threes. And I think at one point... He missed a three, the rebound went right back out to him, didn't hesitate, put it put it up, and he sank that that second three pointer. Um yep. finished with twenty five points, six rebounds. I I just love what I'm seeing from Dotson. I I feel like he's turning a corner or making a leap, whatever analogy you wanna you wanna use.
1: Completely agree. And you tweeted about this beforehand and when he was like two for two from the floor, I had this thought whereas if some team Sent. If, if I'm the Knicks front office and some team offers me a late first-round pick for Dotson, I don't think I say yes. Oh boy. And I know it's a crazy thought, but again, it, it has to do with um, – it's like that whole Peter Griffin thing where it's like I could offer you a boat or I could offer a mystery <laughs> box. Like well, what, if the, you know, what if the boat is in the mystery box? It's tough because obviously if you got a first-round pick in that situation, you are <clears throat> getting someone under contract for roughly the same amount for four years. But Dotson is that winning type player that you so need. Yeah. That guy who can just, you know, catch and shoot, play off. Again, his off-ball defense is certainly something that's problematic and needs a little bit more fine-tuning. But he is your uh, kind of ray of hope for the other players who are younger in terms of development. Because he's, I believe, what, 25 years old, 24 years old?
0: Uh, 24, still pretty young.
1: Exactly. And, you know, you think about Knox at 19, Frank at 20, Mitch at 20 turning 21. It, Dotson's able to take these steps and he's a slightly older player. He can fit that off-ball role and that's just something that you crave in this day and age, especially if you're able to get a star or two to pair him with them. The only issue is that he not after next well, after next season will likely cost, you know, a good wow. chunk of change. Maybe 10 12 million.
0: Yes. And but that being said, he'll be um he'll be restricted after um after next season, so that's good. And you know, we should say he is and this there's actually an important distinction here. Um I between uh, the Knicks having a team option for his contract next year or a it's non-guaranteed. I want to say it's non-guaranteed. Um, But I'm going to look that up. But in the meantime, what I want to say about Dotson is this. Every time you have a contender that's like a normal contender as opposed to the the last three years of the Warriors or two and a half years of the Warriors where it's like it it doesn't matter because they're so much better than everybody. Normal years when you have a contender, it always comes down to like, you know, teams are going to force – X player to do this like teams are not going to like for instance before the Warriors got Durant um, it was like Andrea Iguodala or Draymond Green is going to need to be able to hit an open three right um, you know in in years past you know you replace those guys with somebody different the Knicks even if this summer goes just about like as well as it could go you're still going to need to have that like fourth and fifth guy or fifth guy out there and like Dotson. Like I mean, that's what you're saying, basically. He fits that profile. And I just like if he's you know, he's at thirty eight percent um from three on the year on, on like decent volume. Like he shoot you know, he's shooting four point three threes per game um per thirty six minutes. He's at six per thirty six. Like that's solid, man. That's I like him. I like I think he's gonna be on this team next year. I think he's gonna play an important role. So, yeah. Um, you want to talk about Kevin Knox?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Um, did you like the game he had today?
1: I did. I liked it much better. Thought Again, he's starting – wow, that was a very loud train. I apologize so, on so, behalf of <laughs> Metro North.
0: That conductor um, is a big fan of Kevin Knox apparently. He, he, yeah, He blew his There you go.
1: <laughs> um, with Knox, again, he's shooting another game. Uh, he had more than 14 – or more than 10 shots. And shot over 50% from the floor. That's certainly trending in the right direction. Shot, I think, 60%, 3 of 5 from 3. 19, 6, rebounds. That's good. I thought his shooting was much better in the first half. Yep. But it was the type of game where it's nice to see him not be terrible. And again, if he is terrible, that's fine. We get it. He's 19. There's still time for him to grow. But it's an encouraging sign Considering how since January, it's just been unforgiving. I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just. No, you're right. It's just been really hard to watch.
0: It has. And it was hard to watch because he was doing things where you're like, this guy like forgot how to play basketball, which in a weird way actually made me feel better about everything because like he was clearly so in his own head and so frustrated um, <clears throat> that's why I feel like the, the, you know, it hasn't been perfect, but for the last, I want to say two weeks where he's had a couple of nice games here and there, it's, I think because he's played just a little bit more within himself. I think the game may finally be slowing down for him a bit. And it's, it sounds weird to say that because he had that great December. I I got the sense in December, like the shots were just falling and that's why he had that great December. So then the shots stop falling because his legs are probably getting tired, and you know um he's it's a very long season for a very young player, and I feel like he's it's he doesn't look as out of control of late, um which is a good sign because the knock on him coming into the season that I had heard at least was like he just doesn't really think or feel the game that well, so if we could go into the summer you know without that um Without that worry, uh, I feel like that's that's a good thing. Um, so, yeah, good game from Knox. Good good win. I, I, can we be excited about this win? Can
1: we be excited yeah. about it? Yeah, right? Oh, here's the thing. I went into this game thinking anyone who is rooting for the tank right now maybe doesn't have their priorities in line. And the reason I say that— Completely agree. Welcome to disagree. I just thought that the odds of the Knicks getting anywhere different than having the worst record— are pretty much slim to none because they went to the game with 13 wins the next closest was Phoenix at 17
0: yep. the odds
1: time. of them winning four games and then Phoenix or and Cleveland has 17 wins as well either of those teams going winless down the stretch just does not seem possible and it's the Lakers it's LeBron they're people who paid really good money to see that game uh, granted you know they had to watch Moody and his to start and the irony is that those two players were two of the best Knicks to today. So I mean, it's money well spent for them after all. But again, you can start rooting for wins. They're not going to eclipse the other teams. And if they get to within one win, okay, yeah, you can maybe pump the bricks. But <laughs> that's why I go into the, every single game since you know they really started hitting rock bottom the season record-wise and Phoenix started to pull away, just saying, okay, they win. Great. We'll assess everything down the line. It's not a huge deal.
0: Yeah, um, I'm with you. I, <sighs> I I still hold the belief that for and I know you know there's rumors of, of of you know a meeting that took place between his people and the Knicks and like they there's I mean who knows what has been said or, or not. I don't think Kevin Durant has made up his mind. I think anyone who, who who tries to tell you that he has is, is is lying, and even if he's made up his mind that he wants to come to the New York area, well, you know, guess what? The Nets are a really good fucking situation. You know what? I know, I know we're not allowed to say that on this podcast. I talked about it a little bit with David Fudnick. um, you know, the other day. I th- like their culture is like, I, and as Nick fans, we get annoyed that like you know, they're building statues to Sean Marks outside the Barkley center. And it's like, what have you done really yet? Um, like they have something good going on there. It's real. Like Atkinson can coach Marks knows what he's doing and building a team. Um, so it's like Durant may want to come to the Knicks, but he may go into it with like, all right, guys, show me some make, you know, like." like don't don't leave any doubt in my mind that this is where I should be, and so why am i why am I going through this diatribe I'm going through it to, to say like if, if the Knicks um you know lose all of the rest of their games or they they finished the year on what if they didn't win today what would have been like a, I don't know eighteen game nineteen 20 game losing streak whatever it was mm-hmm. like that's just not that's not a good look it's not it's just not good. So um, I'll be rooting for for more wins, um, as crazy as that may sound. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Let's see if we could we could get some. Um, Jeremy, anything you want to plug or promote before we go?
1: Uh, yeah. Andrew, Claudia, and I will have a nothing but Nick's episode out tomorrow, Monday. So okay. you can listen to that. Listen to one on your way to work, one on the way home. Very nice. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Also, one thing that's really interesting, because I know you're just talking about the Nets, it's so a very, very quick segue. Sure. They have, by far, the hardest remaining schedule, and it's not completely out of the question that they miss the playoffs. I'm not saying that to be cynical. I'm saying that because they've got Orlando that's really not too far behind them, and the Nets are in the seventh seed, three and a half games, it really, it could it could go faster. So, just in terms of what year's faster, not the right word, but... What you're saying in terms of the Nets, I completely agree. I think they are in a better position based on development, based on the fact that they are currently in playoff contention. But with that said, you have to think it's a pretty disheartening thing if they're in that playoff contention and then the very end of the season they just fall flat and then wind up missing the playoffs.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, I mean, you're right, and and we'll see. I just – how cool would it be – Regardless of anything else, regardless of Durant, how cool would it be if the Knicks, like, you know, and I'm not saying I want them to, like, um, even, you know, I, if they if they didn't finish with a 14% chance at Zion, like, I that would be after everything that they've, after this whole season, even though, like, the fourth worst, it's only a percent and a half different, um, you know, difference, like, that probably would not be great. But can you – and again, this is probably not going to happen, but can you imagine if they won like three or four or five games down the stretch and like maybe they didn't finish as the worst team in the league, but they – like this – the kids went into this summer like feeling good about themselves? Like, that would be – wouldn't that be cool? I think that would be kind of cool.
1: Yeah, although you could take the opposite approach where it's like, hey, kids, you finished last. And we get it. They're extenuating circumstances, but this is good motivation for you. Don't put – know, you you're at rock bottom. You can get better than this. I think you could probably make an argument for both. You could. Quite frankly. That's fair. I do see exactly what you're saying where it's a nice little pick-me-up. It's like, hey, guys, we went out on top in terms of like the last few games. We're still among the worst teams. These players also don't care about the lottery odds nearly as much or at all compared to how we do. Certainly not. So, yeah, I agree it would be nice to see that for them. I think for the sanity of the fan base, it's probably best (laughs) that we just all – agree on finishing last
0: i think for the sanity of the fan base um the season needs to end uh, sooner rather than later yeah uh, but then you get
1: great games like today's, so that's but i agree put, yeah. put us out of our misery totally. and hey
0: after kind of a no-show job in the second half against san antonio nice to come come in here and pick up a win today i gotta i gotta say that um and they got uh it doesn't get any easier tomorrow um they play in toronto um not uh not an easy place to play. But I think I read somewhere today that um either Lowry and or Kawhi might be out. And I, I don't know if that was somebody just um hypothesizing, but yeah, I think I saw something about that. Um anyway, all right, so everybody out there, uh make sure you check out um Jeremy's episode of um I wish you the name of your podcast that you do with Andrew. Why do I do Nothing, this? But Nothing but Nick. Nothing but Nicks, Thank you. Um, on the Gotham Sports Network. Uh, they do an awesome job. Um, it is always a great listen. And, um, yeah, everybody out there, thanks for tuning in to this episode. And have a great week. We'll be back with you with um, another couple of episodes this week. But in the meantime, uh, enjoy the win. Enjoy your St. Paddy's Day. What's left of it? And we'll talk to you soon. Here